Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today, we have Austin Wayne Self on the show with us. He was a very chatty Kathy as we got into it all. Things from this past season, looking ahead to next season. Some blips on the radar in his career, ups and downs, everything in between. We did not shy away from any topic. I really appreciate his honesty in that respect. And he was a pretty chatty Kathy. We, we talked for a long time, and we recorded that interview a little bit ago, which brings me to my next point. I know you guys have a bone to pick with me, and it's a valid one, because I said earlier this year, right after the season concluded, that we'd be doing episodes about every other week, and well... It is now December 30th. It's been over a month since I said that, and I have cranked out a grand total of zero episodes for you guys. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, Life has gotten hectic. Work's picking up. Social life, need to have that as well. Some downtime, some relaxation time, spending the holidays with friends, family, trying to be COVID conscious, be safe in that respect. I have let you guys down. I have dropped the ball. But fear not, because we're back here today with a wonderful chat and a wonderful episode. And I think once 2022 rolls around, as of this recording, in about 48 hours, and once we kind of, not 48, it's more like uh, 28, 28 hours uh, as of this recording, we're going to get some more episodes cranked out. I have some good interviews in mind. I'm going to try to line up those for you guys. And if you guys would like to hear any specific conversation with any specific individual. You can go bold. You can ask for Richard Petty. You can ask for Dale Earnhardt Jr. You can ask for Jimmy Johnson, the big three, AKA my big three. Or you can ask for anybody else, somebody small. Uh, Kelly Crandall does a great job on the Racing Writers Podcast about spotlighting different people, hauler drivers, crew chiefs, car chiefs, mechanics, race car drivers, media members, everybody that works in this industry and has a hand in making NASCAR what it is for everybody involved. She does a great job of that. I'm trying to do a similar thing. And if you guys have somebody in mind that you think would be beneficial to hear from, or you think that would make a great conversation and a great guest, let me know. And I'll try to line that up for you guys. Before we throw it over to my chat with Austin and Wayne Self, this week's guest, we got to throw it over to the Wayback segment. Papa Siegel, I know that you have not forgotten about me. And this has been sitting on my desktop, on my laptop, for a while. He sent me episode 134's Way Back segment way back a long time ago. But I'm going to play it in its entirety because it pays homage to a Hall of Famer and a legend in more ways than one. He had a lot of success on track, but his impact is felt off track maybe more than anything else in his career. Here's Papa Siegel with this week's long-awaited Way Back segment. Thank you, Doof, and welcome everyone to episode 134. Today, we remember an important NASCAR pioneer. Wendell Scott is known as the first African-American NASCAR driver, 
but that only tells part of his story. His life and career were profiles in courage and perseverance. Scott was an army mechanic in Europe during World War II. When he returned home, he opened up his own repair shop and ran moonshine on the side to make ends meet. He liked driving fast, so it seems logical that he try his hand at racing. Scott got his first chance in 1951 when the regional Dixie Racing Circuit recruited him as a marketing gimmick to run a race. He sought out chances to run at NASCAR events, but was consistently turned away because of his race. Undeterred, Scott ran and consistently won at local Virginia short tracks. He finally caught a break in 1954 when a part-time local track steward in Richmond granted him a racing license, making him the first black driver in NASCAR. He continued to win races and titles at NASCAR's regional levels and ultimately moved up to the cup level in 1961. Scott ran 495 NASCAR Cup races over a 13-year career, mostly in the 50s and 60s. Think about that for a second. A black man trying to make a living in a sport, at the time, almost exclusively conducted in the segregated South. He endured terrible abuse and prejudice from racist fans and some drivers who went out of their way to wreck him. But on December 1st, 1964, Scott won a race in Jacksonville, Florida, driving a car he had purchased from Ned Jarrett, one of the drivers in the garage who supported him. Scott became the first black man to win a NASCAR race on that day. Still, he wasn't announced as the winner at the time. Buck Baker initially was declared the winner, but race officials later determined that Scott not only had won, but had done so by two laps. It took NASCAR two years to award Scott the win, but his family never received the trophy he had earned until earlier this year, nearly 58 years after the victory and 31 years after Scott had died. Bittersweet. Wendell Scott was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2015. If you visit the hall, you can see his iconic 1962 Chevy that was featured in the movie Grease Lightning, loosely based on his life. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad. Yep, Wendell Scott, a well-deserved Hall of Famer, a well-deserved and recognized, finally, better late than never, race winner at NASCAR's top level. His legacy lives on long after his passing, and it will continue to do so through the work of his family and with guys like Bubba Wallace, Rajat Karuth, some other African-American drivers that are working their way up the pipeline in motorsports and in NASCAR specifically. We've already started off this episode, but before we throw it over to the interview, I guess we should hit this episode with the good old-fashioned So let's throw it over to interview time. Austin Wayne Self of AM Racing in the NASCAR Camping World Chuck Series. He's from Texas. Don't mess with Texas. And I mentioned off the top, this is actually recorded about a month ago around Thanksgiving time. So at the beginning, you'll probably hear some turkey talk and some races that are no longer, I guess you could say, time sensitive. But 
it kind of gives you a peek into the world of Austin Wayne self and what a driver away from the racetrack in the offseason does during the holidays. So that's where our conversation started, and it took us all over the map from when he started racing, his success in ARCA, moving up to trucks, different teams that he participated with in the truck series, some off-track troubles that affected his status on track, and now bringing it back to the here and the now and what he does with AM Racing, the obvious run-in with John Hunter Nemechek that he had this past year at Martinsville, and also looking back even further to some cool races that he's been a part of. Plus, he's been in the truck series. He's been a fringe playoff contender for a couple years now. What are his goals? What are his aspirations? Does he want to move up? Does he want to stay with his family team? Does he see himself as a realistic race winner? He'll tell you the answers to that and more. Here's my conversation with Austin Wayne Self. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, the man with three names, which means he is three times better than any of us here in the NASCAR world. Austin Wayne Self, driver of the 22 truck for AM Racing and the Camping World Truck Series. But this being one of the first podcasts in the offseason, we are not racing every week. This is indeed the offseason. How have you spent your offseason so far, Austin? Are you enjoying the downtime? Yeah, I want to say that was probably one of the nicest things anybody said to me, at least in the past week. So I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, you know, I've just been, I've been kind of racing, to be honest with you. I started earlier this year. Um, you know, after watching Kyle Larson, you know, Christopher Bell, a lot of these guys, uh, well, I mean, almost everybody, I mean, you see Chase Elliott, everybody getting into dirt racing. Um, you know, my background was always on asphalt, rather it be, uh, road course karting, uh, the straight in the late model asphalt, late model stuff, short track stuff. Um, you know, I, I always really enjoyed watching dirt racing, rather it be sprint cars, uh, late models, whatever it was. So I, I thought, well, you know, I feel like, uh, I need to get into it. So early this year, uh, there's a guy that that um, does my uh, paint and bondo and bodies and, and whatnot. His name is Buck Stevens uh, with JRS, and uh, he's become a really good friend of mine. He has a couple uh, 602 crate modifieds uh, yeah. that, that he runs, you know, around here close to home in North Carolina. Um, and so I got into that earlier this year, and it's kind of taken off in a way. I mean, we're racing a lot, and, and – um, Turns out they race pretty late in the year. So uh, <laughs> last weekend uh, I uh, was racing um, close to home at East Lincoln. Uh, it was called the Turkey Rumble. And then this weekend, I think it's called the Thanksgiving Thunder. Uh, so I've been racing a little bit. That's kind of what I've been doing in the off season. Um, I get kind of worried about uh, sometime mid-December because I always feel like the first few weeks of off season are kind of nice, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like you, you kind of get excited for a couple weekends off. And then sometime in, in December, uh, especially when news starts coming, everybody's talking about the next year, in this case, 2022. Right. Uh, you start to, I mean, you're done. You're, you're ready to go racing again. So uh, I think for me this time around, it's kind of been nice to be able to stay in the seat of something. Uh, not to mention the three weeks off we had before Martinsville, uh, before the final two races of the season, already kind of felt like off season. Um, you know, in the shop, we were kind of preparing for 2022 already. So, um, you know, right now going to the shop is, is kind of a weird thing. You know, we're, you know, uh, changing light bulbs in the shop and, and <laughs> painting and doing weird stuff, right? It's maintenance season. Yeah, it's maintenance season. Uh, you know, of course, you know, we're preparing for next year with the new cars. Um, 
you know, but that's all, you know, some of that stuff that we're working on right now is kind of uh, outsourced out of the shop, um, you know, rather be body or, or whatever it is. So yeah. um, I guess here in the next couple of weeks, they'll start feeling like we're preparing for 2022. We, we, um, it's small things right now that kind of gets you looking forward to next season, but it's still, it's almost, uh, I guess Thanksgiving and the week after Thanksgiving's like the dead middle of off season where, yeah. uh, there's not, there's a little bit of news, but it almost gets a little bit quiet in the racing world, uh, for a little bit. So, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I said, I got one more race this weekend and then, um, and then that's it for, for this year. And, and then we start, you know, of course, you know, uh, another full-time uh, deal in, in 2022 in the NASCAR Kimberly Truck Series, mm-hmm. but um, I can kind of start picking, choosing maybe some other routes and some other fun things to do, uh, including some dirt racing stuff. For sure. This weekend, that, that'll be interesting. You, you got to make sure to not eat too much tomorrow because that would not be good if you, God forbid, have a rough and tumble time this weekend. That would not feel good coming back up. So you got to pace yourself. Yeah, that, that's not happening. Everybody knows how Thanksgiving goes. I, that's not happening. <laughs> Thanksgiving no. is coming first this time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm with you right there. Can you believe that you just wrapped up your sixth season in the truck series? Because I was looking back on the stats, and I was saying, wow, he's been basically almost full-time for six full years. Does it feel like that long to you? Um, No, it doesn't. I mean, when, when I hear it, it makes me feel old. <laughs> um, you know, I start, that's what I always question. I mean, what makes you a veteran, you know, just the experience alone, you know, for me, I look at it, you know, I, I got into the series and, and was expecting, uh, a lot of success right away. And, you know, of course, NASCAR is not an easy thing to do. You know, I had, I had some good runs in, in the Arca series and, and, um, some good points runs even. And, and, um, man, it's been, you know, I, I start to really realize, um, you know, walking around, you know, the, the racetrack, um, looking back on memories and photos of how many people I've met in the sport. I think that's really the biggest judgment for me of being able to look back and really realize how long I've been in the sport is just the amount of people I've worked with, the amount of friendships I've gained. Um, and then also, I mean, you know, like I said, I've, I've been with uh, a few different teams, a few different programs, uh, worked, worked with a lot of different crew chiefs, um, couple different manufacturers um and and every year has been a lot different um you know the goals have changed from when i've started uh the rules packages have changed a little bit and i've noticed every that year. and every year and and it seems like you know even the racing you know back when i started the the format of racing was different so you know i feel like i've been around long enough to at least know what i like and don't like um but, you know, it's, you know, not only for me, but even for AM Racing uh, in the years past, we've run so much. And, um, you know, I didn't think it would take this long to, to you know, finally get with, uh, you know, an organization, group of guys uh, at the race shop and at the racetrack that, you know, I really enjoy being with. And, and um, you know, I feel like, you know, this year has kind of been, uh, it's so funny, you know, like you said, it's been six years, but. Um, you know, I felt like the first five, whatnot, or is next year my sixth year? I, I don't know. I, I don't count. But, I think this uh, past year was your sixth, and you were okay, full time in almost great. every year besides one or two. Lucky number seven next year. It's gonna be a great. There you year. go. But, Absolutely. But you know, I feel like the first five were kind of you know really preparing me for the six. You know, this past year was 
Um, you know, arguably probably one of my better seasons. I know statistically it kind of looks like, you know, uh, you know, we had a points run, whatnot, kind of similar to 2018, but, um, you know, the, the strength of the field this past year was so strong. Um, I feel like if we would have been able to bring what we had this year, uh, you know, in the past years, I mean, heck, we could have been um, uh, for sure making the eight, eight car playoff maybe. Um, so, so I feel like the first five years kind of prepared me for this year. You know, I feel yeah. like this was really kind of my first year of, you know, starting to knock on the door of, of, you know, where we, you know, meeting our goals and, and, um, you know, uh, getting ourselves in position where we feel like we're starting to, to uh, get opportunities to maybe win some races. And, you know, like I said, you know, our goal was to try to make the playoffs this past year. And uh, we didn't do that, but we were, we were pretty close. We were in the neighborhood of doing that for a while. We had a, a rough stretch really close to the end of the playoffs that, that really hurt us points wise. But I think ultimately that was good for preparing us for 2022. So uh, I really feel like this past year is kind of the first year, you know, new crew chief, car chief, um, new relationships. So um, as I felt the last five years prepare me for the sixth year, I feel like the six years uh, been a huge uh, uh, incline up to prepare me for 2022. Yeah. Good things on the horizon. That's always good to hear. Let's go all the way back, as I like to do with any guests that we have on. And I try to spotlight some of the undercover guys. And I feel like you have not really gotten your fair due in terms of television coverage, radio coverage, whatever. So let's go all the way back. Four years old, I believe, is when you started this racing journey way back in the day. Was this always something that you wanted to do? Was this in your family before? Did you kind of get pushed into this take me back to the first time that you wanted to be involved with racing and that you first stepped in a race car yeah, it's like this this remind me of nardwar you know who nardwar is no i don't <laughs> well he's uh he, he does a lot of musicians different stuff but he's always wanted to take it back and a lot of times he surprises uh the guys he's interviewing they're like how do you know that but uh I'm sure <laughs> just call me nardwar if people out there know nardwar they know exactly what i'm talking about but um yeah so it's it's kind of a funny story you know like you said it was it was four years old and um you know my i have family that that's from indiana um primarily it's it's uh, close to french lake uh but but indianapolis is kind of the the home spot for for the self family and mm -hmm. of course everybody knows indy 500 and and uh so my family grew up um you know around racing and um so it, it it's funny how it starts. So my dad, you know, had been a few Indy 500s. Of course, my family roots, you know, in Indiana, uh, exposed to racing culture. Um, so what actually happened was um, my dad wanted to get a go-kart and go racing, uh, you know, right around the time I was four years old. And, and of course, at this time, I was in the, the big wheels with plastic tires, um, whatnot. But my dad wanted to go racing. My mom told him uh, he was going to have to find something uh, – to do with me you know he's like mom basically told him hey go find a hobby that's fine but you got to bring your son with you you know go find something you guys can do together so yeah like, take him off my hands for a little bit right exactly and so my dad was like well i want to go racing so i guess my uh i guess austin's gonna go with me so um he made me a deal um you know with the big wheels that if i uh ran a certain amount of laps i don't know if it's time i'm four years old so maybe i'm adding stuff to it but um 
So it was the big wheels. He got me a go-kart. Um, then five years old, there's a little track in New Braunfels, Texas. And, and that's where it really all started. Uh, it started out as a, as a fun little hobby for me and my dad. Um, nobody else in my family had been in racing. We were just, uh, I guess, kind of fans, you know, and at the time it was, it was, uh, you know, a lot of more IndyCar fans, um, yeah. you know, grew up going to Indianapolis 500. So, so the, at the time I first got in a go-kart, you know, I, I, I didn't know much. I played with Hot Wheels, you know, I'm four years old. Uh, it's hard for me to sit, sit down at a TV, uh, and watch very long or very much yeah. and, and really create a, uh, uh, or find somebody really idolized in a way. But, um, so yeah, I was in a go-kart before I'd even been, you know, to an actual race. So I always thought that was kind of funny, you know, when I, I can remember being really young, you know, five, you know, five years old, five, six years old, um, you know, and I'm racing myself. And, and, uh, I think my grandfather got me a Jeff Gordon, uh, uh, jacket Ooh. and the kids at school were like, Oh man, Jeff Gordon, this and that. And, uh, I was like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I didn't know who Jeff Gordon was, but I guess I didn't put it all together. I was like, oh, Jeff Gordon. And, you know, they made fun of me. They're like, you racing? You know, I was like, ah, you know, it's confusing. Or, you know, who's your favorite driver? Me. You know what I mean? Yeah, so of course. You know what I mean? It has to be. At five years old, you know, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm driving. I like You're me. the best there is, plain and simple. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I find that interesting then, because I know that, and a lot of people that watch you, you know, your ties to Texas and it's on your bumper, it's on some paint schemes that you got, it's on your merchandise, but you grew up in Indianapolis and that racing scene was kind of what you grew up with and what you started with before moving down to Texas. Yeah, of course, you know, you know, like I said, I lived in Texas, but you know, I, I had my, all my family was in Indiana, so I visited and, and, um, you know, the, I think the other big thing is, you know, of course, that was that was the very beginning. You know, as I got a little older, you know, my, my dad had season tickets to Texas Motor Speedway. And it was actually, you know, the June race where uh, the where the Camp World Truck Series was there on Friday. And then Saturday was the IndyCar race. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, so now, you know, you know, I'm talking seven, eight, you know, back then, that's uh, those were big steps. But um, so for me, it's kind of funny. Uh you know, as I started getting older and getting opportunities to, to go race in ARCA or trucks or whatever it was, you know, it, you know, of course, I started watching racing, but I grew up going to Texas Motor Speedway. You know, we would get out of school. I would get out early on the last day of school a lot of times to drive up to go watch the uh, Camping World Trucks race on Friday night and watch the IndyCars race, you know, Saturday. So, you know, of course, I've... At, at, at the certain point where I got into ARCA and NASCAR and whatnot, and we're going to Daytona, a lot of people think, you know, Daytona, which it is, it's amazing. But I was so, you know, that aha moment uh, where it was like, man, this is like, this is amazing. Uh, where I was on pit road, looking up in the stands of where I sat as a kid was Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah. That was really the, uh, you know, at the time of, you know, really getting up to that point. Um, that was like the aha moment. I, I, I was on pit road. I'm about to get in the, the, the trucks. I grew up watching as a kid and, it's pretty and cool. you know, as a kid, I always thought oh, that'd be easy. You know, that's where I'll be, but you know, you never know. And when you get to that moment where you're, you're now you're on pit road, looking up in the stands. Uh, so Texas motor speedway to me was, was definitely the, uh, I don't know, I guess in, in a way it was kind of like, Oh man, you know, I felt like I made it, you know, the yeah. truck series to me, 
growing up was huge. That was my favorite thing was to watch the truck series and Indy cars. So uh, to me, that was one of the coolest moments, you know, looking back growing up, going to the races at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, so that was my, my big influence. And, and, and a lot of my racing career came from going to the June races at Texas Motor Speedway. So when did you end up moving down to Texas? Because the racing scene in Texas is different than the racing scene in Indiana. Clearly it worked out for you, but before we obviously got to the NASCAR ranks and won at Winchester and ran those ARCA races, what was the racing scene like in Indianapolis where you were racing and then Texas when you moved down there? What did you race? How often did you race it? Take me through that progression. So it was almost, it's almost flipped. So I was born in Austin. I grew up in Austin, Texas. Um, so I, my whole first part of my life was Austin, Texas. I didn't really, you know, I guess my wife argues with me. I say I lived in Indiana, but really what that was was like, you know, I was, you know, 17, 18. Um, so it wasn't until I started racing ARCA that I got to Indiana. So gotcha. I started racing in Texas. Um, like I said, New Braunfels, uh, there's a track in Austin called Iron Rock, go-kart racing and whatnot. So the racing scene for me was a, uh, playing you know it was road course go-karting and and um because that's so, all that really is in texas i was surprised because i mean the state is so big but there's not a whole lot of asphalt oval tracks in the state no that's the that's the yeah that's the craziest thing uh yeah so to be honest with you when i was 10 11 12 10 11 i didn't know i honestly didn't know short track racing i had no clue never heard of it to be honest with you um wow. and and so the first time, so the big transition was when I was 13. Um, I'd been racing go-karts. I had traveled all over the U.S. racing go-karts and, um, you know, all asphalt, asphalt road course stuff. I thought I was going to be an IndyCar driver. That was my dream to, to go race IndyCar and run the Indy 500. And, and um, that, was, that was my vision when I was younger. And, and um, so about the time I was 13 or so, you know, I, heck, I – you know, like I said, at that time, you know, I've been racing go-karts forever. It's all I knew. And, and it started becoming the point. It's like, you know, okay, we sat there. It's like, you know, what's the next step? You know, this kind of plays into the part of, you know, not having any racing, anybody else racing in your background family-wise. You know, we really didn't know what the next step was. You know, I, I knew we, we kind of got to the position, you know, where I, I, I felt like I was like ready to commit to racing. Whatever it took to, uh, you know, get as high as I can racing, try to make a career out of it. Right. Um, but there was no, you know, there's no right. There's no one way yeah. to, you know, you guys didn't have, have a blueprint to work yeah, off. There is there no, was no there's right no way, way to do it. There's, there's not college high school football, college high school football, the NFL, you know, there's no, uh, draft day. Um, yeah. and, I gotcha. and it's really confusing. I mean, uh, just about every driver you see in all three NASCAR series, uh, most of their stories are all different, which is really cool. But, but man, um, you know, now you can sit back and look back and be like, man, I could have done a lot different. You know, maybe I would have done this or that. But so when I was 13, um, we were looking to try to get in into in cars now. And um, as far as open wheel went, there was like a Skip Barber, which uh, didn't really catch my eye a whole lot. I'd gotten a scholarship deal from, you know, winning a championship to go do that or, or do some kind of uh, – test deal whatever it was hold on what championship did you win when did that happen it was a florida winter tour i don't know the year i can't remember but it was go-karts still 
It was go-karts, yes. Okay. So so I'd won that. I tried out the Skip Barber stuff and, and um, you know, really there wasn't much for me to do um, in open wheel until I was 16. So it's like, okay, well, you know, what else can we do right now? And, and, um, and uh, it came down to a, a, a three-eighths mile racetrack in Kyle, Texas. And uh, somebody had a late model, uh, a late model stock. And, and um, so before I'd ever seen a late model race, uh, I was at a, at a three-eighths mile short track uh, looking at a late model. And um, I drove the late model that day. And uh, that, was that is probably a one small the- track for a late model, man. Yeah, but, but, you know, at 13 years old and never seen the car before, uh, you know. You're like, I'm this sure is all I know. People, okay, let's go. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are afraid to admit it, but, I mean, I was terrified, you know. I'd never driven anything but a go-kart, so uh, to me, I was terrified at first. You know, it was, I, I learned how to drive a, a, a manual transmission. Uh, I learned how to shift everything, uh, like, the week before I got in it, you know. So wow. I had all these things going on, and, and uh, of course, you know, it went pretty decent. I, would, I, I can't remember exactly, but you know, uh, a few months later, uh, down there, it was 14 years old. It was kind of like the age they said, okay, we'll let you, we'll let you race down here at 14. Uh, of course down there, you know, that's young, you know, I was young at the time. Um, you know, I was, I was probably the youngest driver, uh, definitely the youngest at the time. Um, and you know, I can't say for sure, but you know, I felt like, you know, a lot of the people I was around, I was one of the first, one of the youngest to do it at that point, maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I was kind of unheard of seeing a 14-year-old uh, getting in a late model. Um, so that's where I got into it. And um, so I did that for a couple of years between uh, a track and Kyle in Houston. Um, and uh, and then that's when I came out to North Carolina when I was uh, 16. Um, Damn, that's pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, that was... That was so I did live on stock here, but um, but you know now looking back, it's like you know there, I think there's one uh, short track uh, asphalt track in Texas, and it's Houston Motorsports Park. So uh, in the entire and isn't state, that you you would know better than me? Is it still operating or is it about to close? I thought I saw something recently. So, uh, so somebody told me that, that I think that was the drag strip in, in Baytown uh, okay. that's closing. Okay, but there is a drag strip at HMS as well. Um, Cause we got one left. We got to keep it going, especially for a state as big is, as Texas. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful racetrack. It's, it's really nice facility. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so, so that was that. And, and then, you know, it was, it was kind of like, it was funny when I moved out to North Carolina um, and I was racing, you know, I was going to go race late mall stocks. Um, you know, now there's, uh, now there's kids, man. I mean, I hear stuff now, you know, 10 year olds in late malls. And, and yeah, so, man. So now I'm 16, you know, I'm not that young anymore. You, you were know? a trendsetter back then, though. Right. Well, when I was in Texas, I was. And then when I moved out here, they're like, yeah, yeah, it's another another one of these guys. Yeah, he's in NASCAR and, you know, he's a bit, you know, whatever. Yeah. Nobody cares anymore, right? Um, yeah. Which was fun. I was like, oh, whatever. You know, I just wanted to race anyway. But it was just fun. And now I'm looking at, you know, 11-year-old getting the late ball. I'm like, dang. I'm like, man, I, I missed the mark, man. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. I'm – I think I'm too late. I think I'm late to, you know, but, yeah. but yeah. So that so, was when you were like 16. When did, when did, uh, it turn from a hobby when you're go-karting and it's a little bit more than that. Cause you're winning championships and you're getting scholarships to then going in this late model stock route and going to the asphalt route 
and moving to North Carolina. Do you know, was there a certain point where it turned from a hobby that your dad and you did to, I'm going to try to make a legit career out of this thing? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few different points. I mean, for me, I felt like one, one of the first big ones was, you know, you know, growing up in Texas with racing, not being as big as it is either in Indiana or North Carolina or wherever, uh, I had a lot of trouble, um, with school, not grades or anything, but attending enough days yeah. to stay in it. So in sixth grade, you know, I, I'd, I'd gotten, um, I basically got in trouble for missing too many days. I had A's and B's, but um, they were basically telling me, it's actually kind of funny. I I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but, you know, publicly, but um, in in sixth grade, I had gotten a letter in the mail uh, that that came in. Of course, my parents opened it and it was uh, state of Texas against Austin self. And they're all confused. And and what it was, was a truancy uh, notification. I had to go to court and whatnot. And, and I was young at the time. I didn't quite know what was going on. Uh, you know, I had had all A's and B's, so I'm, I'm, I'm confused, you know. And, yeah. And um, one of the funny things about the whole thing was uh, basically I had two options, right? I, I basically either had to quit racing and, you know, uh, stick with public school or, um, or do homeschool. And, um, you know, of course, the judge, I was standing in front of the judge and and she'd asked me, she basically told me if I miss any more days of school, she, I was going to juvie, right? And so, you know, Damn. beforehand, we kind of had a plan. It was like, okay, well, you know, I told my dad, I'm like, I want to go racing, right? So it's like, okay, well, we're going to drop out of public school and I'm going to do homeschooling. But in front of the, the judge, she asked me, she goes, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go racing or are you going to go to school? And, uh, and this is after she said that if you miss any more days, you're going to juvie. And I said I was going, to, going racing. And she gave me the, the worst look. And uh, it was like the next day I, I dropped out. And, and so for me, that was, you know, my head. That's when I thought, okay, well, now I'm in the, you know, this is what I'm doing. But um, I would say. That's a probably, significant event. I would say that's when things change for you. And it's a, it's a funny story, you know, because I just remember being so young. I'm thinking now looking back, I'm looking at this sixth grader telling uh, a judge, uh no, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going racing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I think it was, it had to been close to when I got ARCA, you know, 2012, I was doing late mall stock stuff. So I felt like back then I felt like that was a big moment where, you know, I kind of committed, okay, I'm going to go, uh, live in North Carolina, um, and try the late mall model stuff. And I felt like I always had the commitment you know, it was, it was always an easy decision to go racing, you know? Yeah. It was always an easy thing to go racing, but, um, I think, I think it was my first year, maybe 2013 or 2014, um, in ARCA, uh, cause 13, I did part-time schedule and then 14 was my first full-time. Mm-hmm. That's when I really realized, you know, I, I'd come to the age, you know, 14, I'd turned 18 of course, high school days, I, I had high school friends, everything, all that was kind of over. And it was kind of a, uh, a reality check in a way where, uh, okay, I know I want to go racing, but, um, you know, there's there's a lot more work that, get, that goes into just being race car driver as far as it's not all yeah. about driving yeah. anymore, right? Now it's, now it's um, you know, okay, now we got to start maybe building a brand. And, um, you know, okay, now we're getting to the, starting to get to some of the levels and especially when you get in NASCAR where, um, you know, it doesn't just take good or great drivers. It takes, you know, now you're taking the best of the best of where you were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
and things start stepping it up. It takes even more work and, and uh, at times more dedication. And, uh, then, and then you talk about, you know, sponsors and branding and, and all that stuff. And it's a big uh, adjustment. Big. And then, and then personal life, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, I've been doing, I've been racing for my entire life. That's all I knew. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to regular high school. I did one year, but didn't go to regular high school for the most part. There's a lot of things I didn't do. And, um, so personally it was kind of a, a moment where it's like, okay, you know, I'm to the point now, um, if I don't go racing, I'm not sure what, what I would be happy doing. I'm like, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I'd gotten to the point to where, um, it was a hard transition moving from Texas and having friends to North Carolina, you know, personally, that was a hard thing to do. Especially at 16 years old. I mean, you're a kid. Right. So, so those were hard things. So I think it was probably about 18 racing Arca when I was like, okay, you know, whatever it takes, man, I, you know, I got to do, I got to do whatever it is to, to, uh, try to get to that next level. And, um, and, uh, the branding thing was, is, is definitely, you know, as far as sponsorship and whatnot, um, that wasn't something I was I was great at, and that's kind of the funny part of of um, you know kind of how you know you said earlier uh, the Texas you know sponsors this and that um, you know when I was when I was building you know my brand stuff you know of course I had kind of a team of people around me trying to give me ideas you know everybody's kind of got their thing you know um, and and for me I was I was never huge into uh, I've never been good at a whole lot of social media, you know, as far as, uh, Snapchat and, and taking videos and posting this and doing that. Um, I was never, I never had the, uh, uh, I guess eye for it. So I struggled in that sense of trying to keep up with social media. But, um, so I came up, I was like, well, you know, my branding's Texas, you know, uh, I, I was always proud to be from Texas and don't mess like, with it. And, and, and it's a big brand, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, a lot of people, I had read some the other day. It was kind of funny, you know, uh, I think Texas is like maybe in the world, but they buy more of their own merch than any other, uh, you know, place or whatever. Yeah, it is, that doesn't know? surprise me. So, you know, for me, for me being from Texas, you know, and, and now here I am, I had moved to North Carolina and, you know, personally that was a hard thing for me because I felt like I was losing part of my identity in a way. So, for me, I was like, I got this great idea. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to bring Texas with me into NASCAR. You know, that's why I always told people. And, and I was like, I'm bringing Texas with me since I got to leave. Um, it's got to come with me in some way or another. So that's kind of where we targeted was like, uh, trying to, you know, work with Texas companies to, to get them into NASCAR with me. So that was, I was like, I'm taking Texas with me. Yeah. So you run some ARCA races for AM Racing, family-owned team, obviously. You mentioned that adjustment to, to it being a big-time deal now. This was not just something you're doing for fun. This is something that you're trying to make a career out of at this point. You run a few part-time seasons, and then 2015, full-time there. You finished second in points that year. You had to be feeling really good about yourself there, especially because you got your first victory. That was in 2015 at Winchester. Hell of a track to do it at. Yeah. What do you remember about that day? Because I'm sure that it's probably still sticks with you. Your first win in a, in a full bodied stock car and a NASCAR ARCA sanctioned event. That must've been a really good day. Yeah. It was, uh, I remember holding the trophy. I feel like that, that doesn't have, that hasn't happened in a while, you know, in a, in a, in a big series. 
I got the trophy downstairs, so every time I go downstairs, I see it. But um, good reminder. It is a good reminder, and uh, it definitely kind of is, you know, especially especially nowadays. You know, the past few years, um, it's been big motiv- uh, motivation to you know keep going. But you know, I kind of look back at at those years. You know, um, you know, I was kind of look back. It was like, you know, maybe I, I felt like maybe I could have won some more races. You know, I, you know, I felt like. You know, maybe I could want some more. And I, I looked back at the strength. You know, I was racing um, in 2015. Grant Enfinger won the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was racing against uh, Grant Enfinger. Um, you know, of course, I, I remember, you know, those couple years I, I had raced Eric Jones. You know, Eric Jones, I'd finished second to Eric Jones. So I had a bunch of uh, seconds to Eric Jones. Uh, uh, Brandon Jones was, was racing quite a bit back then in the Turner Scott car. Uh, of course, you know, Frank Kimmel, that was when Thor Sport uh, still had an ARCA car with Frank yeah. Kimmel. Frank Kimmel's won, you know, every, he's won more than, he's than Mr. ARCA. Mr. ARCA. So, um, and like I said, so there's a list of guys, even, even you know, in 2013, whatnot, there was, I, I raced, I got to race against Kyle Larson and, and Daniel Hemrick and, um, you know, Corey LaJoy and, yeah. Of course, growing up near Cole Cusk, a lot of those guys stayed that Canaan route. But um, you know, so looking back, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, um, I guess I was in a way I felt like I was like the king of second place for a while. But um, <laughs> you know, I look back and I was doing it with a small team, uh, Mason Mitchell Motorsports, in 2015. Um, and um, so you know, we had gone through that year. We were doing we had raced like three different manufacturers. I'd gone through 12 like no, no joke, 12 crew chiefs. Uh, so there was a lot of things going on Jeez. at the shop that were kind of 12. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe nine, nine to 12. I'm not Are kidding. You just that hard to work with. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it was. I want to get <laughs> into that, but, uh, I would have been happy with one. Um, and it, yeah. and that's the funny thing. I've worked with some of them again in the future, but, um, so I, I've been racing for that team, you know, second place finishes and and so getting a win there was was big and and of course um you know the other cool part was uh that year was working with a guy named tyler mon who's who's actually won the championship with kyle larson this year he's the spotter back then he was uh he was actually a mechanic and and so looking back when winchester was one of the first i would say it was in the first three at least races that we had worked together as a spotter he kept saying hey i can spot i can spot i can do it you know and um he was a good friend of mine at the time so i i told uh you know the owner of the team blah blah i was like hey you know we kind of had fallen out with other spotters i told him i wanted tyler mon to uh spot for me and and uh <laughs> after Look that it was all good. you know we, we won the race and now it's like yeah yeah you're spotting the rest of the year so yeah. uh so there's a lot of cool moments in that in that Winchester. Of course, uh, having a lot of family in Indiana, um, you know, I can remember uh, climbing on top of the car and uh, just seeing a bunch of family that that stuck with me for since the go kart days. And so for me, that was a big moment. That was uh, uh, that was really cool. And um, yeah, I'd say I mean it's carried with me. You know, like I said, I haven't I haven't um, I haven't won a, a truck series race yet. So mm-hmm. um, that's definitely still a fond memory of mine. And I think it always will be. It's, the trophy is really cool. Uh, the experience was awesome. The racetrack is awesome. 
Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things. The race was really good. Like I said, I was racing. Uh, you know, Schrader was in the race. That's freaking, that's so cool. Legend. Schrader came and shook my hand after the race. Uh, Frank Kimmel was there. Brandon Jones, I was racing. That was actually who I raced. It was between me, uh, Brandon Jones, and uh, Grant Enfinger. So, um, you know, I, I look at that as, man, that's, um, that was a tough race to win, and, and we were able to do it. So that was definitely a cool turning point of like, man, okay, yeah. we can do it now, you know? So you established yourself there as a winner in ARCA, and you moved up in the next couple of years to the Camping World Truck Series, of course. Bounced around with a couple different teams, AM, Martins Motorsports. You were with Nice for a year. Um, and you finally get so close, so close to that victory lane spot. You had that runner-up finish at Daytona in 2017 at all places. I know that Texas holds a special place in your heart, but anybody that races in NASCAR knows how special and how big Daytona is. And I know you wanted one more, but finishing second, still to date your best career finish in the truck series that day in 2017, that had to be a pretty good day as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, I had just gone, it was, it was, you know, legit fresh off of the 2016 rookie season in the trucks that uh, was the big shocker uh, for me. You know, we had, we'd come into the series and we thought, um, you know, from past experience, ARCA race and whatnot, we decided to uh, start our own team. And uh, man, that was, that was way, you know, it was one thing to try to learn how these trucks drive, uh, totally different thing to try to, uh, get these trucks competitive in, in the NASCAR, in the NASCAR series. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was not easy. It was, uh, exhausting. And, um, uh, of course, trying to build relationships with people to get a team going. And, um, there was a lot of big learning moments in that season. And, and honestly going into 2017, um, there's a, another driver that had, um, had signed a, a deal with AM, uh, to do, I believe it was supposed to be a full-time ARCA and dabble in the truck. So um, to be completely honest with you, I was, I thought that was, that was pretty close to the end of my, I thought at the time, I thought that might've been it. You know, I thought I was like, man, you know, I might not, I might not be getting back in the race car. That might not be the main focus anymore. You know, I might be able to get in a few races here and there, but um, right. I honestly thought through the off season 2016, that that was it. You know, I had, I had the two Texas races, uh, you know, with uh, a couple of sponsors, I had the two Texas races, um, and maybe the road course and, and, and one other race, Daytona wasn't even on the, um, on the schedule for me about two weeks before that race, you know, of course, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to deal with, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, I, if I'm not racing full time, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, I, I, met my my now wife so now i got this girlfriend that's in racing and uh and she's with me and now I'm, i don't even know if i'm racing anymore what am i gonna do you know and, and she's supporting me blah, blah blah but so two weeks before daytona um they kind of put the deal together you know there's a another speedway truck it was like you know let's go do it you know who knows you, know, you never know at daytona it's the ultimate you know uh the ultimate gamble, the ultimate, yeah. whatever it can make and break, whatever, you know, you've seen guys, uh, you know, Trevor Bain went to Daytona 500 and, you know, now all of a sudden he's got, he's in the full-time ride. Right. So the, the, it's kind of the Cinderella race, right? It's the, it's the March madness yeah. of racing. Uh, you, you came know? so close, but that, I mean, that put yeah. you back on the map and back on people's radars. Yeah. And, and, and 
like I said, so I, I went into the race with no expectations. You know, I, I really didn't know. And, um, and it started off really bad. Uh, there was a wreck, I think, coming to lap one. And I was involved in it. And uh, so I had damage and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, I was like, I had restarted the last restart like 13th or 12th. And um, I think my move that, that completely made everything, I came on the front stretch and I was on the outside row. I was like, you know, I just, I'm not going to be able to do anything here. I got to get to the bottom, play it safe. And I'm, I'm going to go for a top 10. You know, I, I got a shot at top 10. Boom, boom. I mean, smoke and, and of course, Kaz was in front of me. Smoke everywhere, guys upside down. Uh, I just stood on the throttle and just drove straight and came out of the smoke. And, and I was down. just excited. I was just excited that I came out of the wreck. I was like, man, yeah. that was awesome. And then you <laughs> notice you're like, oh, there's one person in front of me. Right. <laughs> well, that's when they told me, they're like, hey, that's the end of the race. You finished second. And, uh, and man, that was so special, especially coming in the pits, you know, and getting to see everybody and, and you know, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, you know, there. Um, you know, like I said, it was a hard off season. And then that started off like that. I thought that was the biggest break ever. And, yeah. uh, and it was big, but, um, you know, at the time I thought, I thought it was way bigger than what it, what it turned out to be, but, um, it was definitely a special moment. Of course, you know, 15 minutes after that, I was, I was already thinking, uh, about what if I won the race, you know, which that's a, that's a race you're saying. That's a competitive thing, but yeah, uh, no, that was a really special moment for sure. Also, let's just, let's just clear one thing up too, because you mentioned that going into that year, you were kind of unsure if you were going to have a full-time ride and from the outside looking in, some people may say, hold on, w w wait a minute. I thought that this was Austin's team. Like I thought his family owns AM racing. I thought his dad is a big backer of him. So how could he be in jeopardy of losing a ride when it's kind of a family back team? So what was the situation and what is the situation in terms of your family and helping fund your racing career? Can you lend some clarity to that? Well, I think, I think a lot of it was really thinking about the longevity of the race team. Um, you know, yeah, we, we had some backing, whatnot. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of it was just trying to figure out what was going to keep the, the race team around. You know, I think, I think at a certain point, you know, you got to kind of step back. For me, it was like, um, I want to be in racing for a long time, what, you know, regardless of what that looks like. So at the time, it was, you know, we got somebody coming in that's, you know, willing to, to pay for the ride. And that's going to, um, you know, maybe that uh, gives us opportunity to uh, step up the program in a way, take it in you. some different directions. So, you know, that was kind of that moment was uh, longevity of the race team. Let's focus on the race team right now. Uh, try to figure out what we need to do um, and uh, then focus on a few races. You know, if we hit it really good on at Texas or the road course, uh, maybe that opens the doors. And of course uh, it came at Daytona. So big time. Let's fast forward a couple years and I apologize for the, uh, the mood change, but we got to talk about it, right? 2019, you're definitely suspended by NASCAR on April fool's day. No less. Uh, yeah. First of all, did you think that it was a joke? April Fool's, uh, happy April Fool's Day. You're indefinitely suspended for substance abuse. Yeah, I did. I, I tell you, what, I was I was shocked, and uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of other things that went on uh, in the background. Um, you know, of course, one of them was I was I was shocked. I couldn't figure out you know what it was, um, and uh, you know, they kept saying it was something that happened at Daytona or yeah, at the Daytona random yeah. test and this and yeah. that. And then we're sitting here at, in, um, you know, I think I first got the call in like March something. And yeah. uh, 
so I'd raced, you know, three races. So I was, I was confused and, you know, I, I was legitimately couldn't figure out what it was. And, you know, I know people, you know, debate that and whatnot, but, you know, I, I, at the time I, I was swearing up and down, I'm like, look, I, you know, I really don't know, uh, you know, what happened here. I, I done drug tests and tried to send them in. I'm like, Hey, look, you know, this is me now. I, I don't know what it was. I got a hair test and it came, everything came back negative. So, um, and that was all before the April Fool's thing. So, you know, I'd done, I'd taken the hair test and, and taken these drug tests to, to right. try to show like, Hey, you know, I, I really don't know what it was. And yeah. Cause and, you knew uh, about it before it just became yeah, official so I, that the suspension was on April 1st. Yeah. Right. Right. I had, I had, uh, you know, I, I guess appealed it in a way it's been a while. I guess you kind of, you can appeal it. And, and I appealed it and was like, you know, seriously, I have no idea. That's when I did all the hair tests. So, so now I'm kind of waiting, right? I'm, I'm, I really don't know. I hadn't gotten the call. Um, and then when the news came out, I was like, it was pretty devastating. I was like, you know, I don't even know, you know, what to say. You know, I, I, you know, um, you know, of course I think, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, I can talk about it here and there, but it's still kind of a weird thing where, you know, at the time I, I, I could only say so much, uh, mm-hmm. that was going to be you know best for me in that situation. I could only say so much. Um, and, um, you know, I was able to trace it back to the, uh, you know, I guess now I can I can talk about it a little bit. I traced it back to something I drank with uh, CBD in it, and um, and uh, so that's that's where I thought. You know, to this day, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, I took all the drug tests and and um, it. Uh, you know, I, I look back at it, and it was definitely definitely a difficult time. You know, of course, uh, social media is never. Uh, too nice and, at times, and, and they've been rough you on me. You don't say. But uh, you know, if, if anything, it it um, it did a great deal to strengthen my my uh, my life at home. You know, I was really able to kind of look back and and um, and uh, focus on you know my relationship with. Uh, I guess she she said, "Were you my fiance at the time?" No, she wasn't my fiance. Eh. <laughs> So Ooh. I was able to focus on my relationship. Supposed to know these things. I know I'm I'm awful. So I was able to focus on my personal life and family and whatnot. Um, and uh, and then I really realized that, man, you know, I I was so close. You know, of course, this time I'm doing. Uh, I I'd done the road recovery. I I had done the. Uh, and you got reinstated that same month too. I think right. that was a record for how quick you were able to get reinstated. You you were suspended April first. You got reinstated April thirtieth. So literally a month, and you were back. Yeah, and that and that was kind of the thing that was confusing as well because, like I said, when it came out, you know, I'd done the two drug tests, all this stuff, and 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 in my head, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm good. You know, I've I've, take, I've taken a hair test, which you know. I, and I learned all kinds of things, but the hair test goes back, you know, like a year or something like that. Right. Oh, wow. So, uh, or months, whatever it was, but basically the hair test was like the perfect thing. It was like, it goes back before it would even be possible that blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I, I narrowed it down to what I thought it was, but you know, even to this day, I, I really, I really don't know. You know, I just, I came to the point where I was like, I have to put it on something, you know, it's people were telling me I wasn't taking responsibility, but, um, I didn't know what to take responsibility for. I was just fighting for what I knew. And, and, uh, so I'd taken these drug tests, all this stuff. And, and, um, and then I was reinstated. Like I said, I passed it. I'd done everything I said. I was, I was, uh, you know, at the time, uh, 
I wasn't mean to anybody within NASCAR. Um, yeah. I just did what they said, you know, to me. Sounds it was like just, you did everything the right way. I did everything they asked me to do, uh, plus some. I was trying to mm -hmm. be uh, accountable for them because, you know, I just wanted to get back in the race car. That's all That's all I ever wanted, and, and that was the hardest thing, uh, sitting there not knowing, you know, what, what the outcome yeah. could be. So. I hear you. Uh, last time I'll be negative, I promise, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask about this as well. These are fun uh, things, right? I know, I know few years before that, um, you had a run in with the law as well. It was, uh, I think it was a physical assault, simple physical assault, underage drinking charge. Um, going through that experience, how did that help you navigate the, the murky waters a couple years later in 2019? Because 2019, this is dealing with the professional job now, right? Like this is your livelihood. This is, this is what you do. And you had some experiences that are somewhat similar and parallel to that. So going through that before a couple of years earlier, I imagine knowing kind of what came with that had to help you a little bit in navigating that because it must have been a tough yeah. time. Yeah. You know what? In, in that situation uh, was another one. Um, I, I So that would take a long time to explain that story. But um, it so that deal was, was with the person um, and it came out uh not guilty and 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 that whole situation was definitely not what it you know when you read about it and whatnot of course you know i, I know it's on you know a couple of people you know they dig and stuff and they try to come up with with dirt to come uh come back on you but um you know that situation um was another one where um it was a miscommunication in a sense and and it turned out to be you know we we're it was a young uh it was it was something that happened when I was younger, and um, and and it turned out to be uh, I guess a mistake on the other end. Um, it should have never happened, and and it turned out to be uh, something that looks a lot more negative than what it was. Um, you know that that whole situation was was uh, something that kind of went by quick because there wasn't much to it. It was it was a mistake on the other end. It should have never even happened. Okay. Um, you know, of course on Reddit, whatnot, it's fun to, fun to talk about that stuff. But, um, you know, for me, it wasn't, um, you know, they, they like to say it's a domestic violence, it's this and that, but, but nothing ever even came of that. It, it, it had nothing to do with anything, uh, to that degree. And, and, um, you know, of course there was some other things that came along with it. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, that whole deal was, it was, uh, blown out to uh, proportion way, way too late. And it was something that, um, you know, wasn't talked about a whole lot because there wasn't really much there. And, um, you know, like I said, there is nothing, you know, there's nothing on my record because, um, you know, I went to court and, and everything. It was almost like a Kurt Busch deal where, um, yeah. you know, something happened to him. And, and of course, you know, I, I was kind of joke around, um, you know, in the public light, you're guilty until proven innocent. And, um, and that was the situation for me where uh, I was definitely guilty until proven innocent. And then five years later, four years later, now all of a sudden it's coming back up and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I related to something like the, you know, the Kurt Bush deal he had going on with, with the situation a few years ago where, yeah. uh, there was actually accusations involved and, and, um, you know, he was able to prove it. Uh, of course, when his happened, he was on a bigger level. And so everything was, uh, put out right away. My thing was, was something that happened really kind of before I got big. So, um, like I said, it, that the outcome was the same as Kurt Bush's, uh, but unfortunately, at the time, there wasn't anybody taking notes of what was going on. And then, um, and then years later, people kind of dig up some stuff that 
that um, you know there's small traces there and then they, they, they can paint a picture with it right so um, like I said I, if, if anybody's curious how it went it was a, it was it was exactly like a Kurt Busch situation that he went through not the cussing one but the, <laughs> the domestic violence <laughs> yeah one, Kurt so. has a few situations with yeah, the yeah, yeah. over the years yeah so. <laughs> No, I hear you. I appreciate your honesty with that because, um, like I said, wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask, but uh, it's part of your story, and I, I think fans deserve to know your side of the story, so thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, sure. That same year, though, another top five at Michigan, and I would imagine that that may have even been better feeling than the one you got at Daytona because, as he mentioned, right, Daytona, there's a wild card aspect to it. You kind of just came through the wreckage, a little bit of luck involved with that with a lot of skill, don't get me wrong, but Michigan – there's not as much luck, and it's not a super speedway the way that Daytona is. So getting a top five at that track means you really, really earned it, and that had to be a really good feeling. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the truck series, when we went, we went there, we always kind of joked around because it is kind of like a super speedway. But the It arc, is. The time, <laughs> I was trying to set you up. I was trying to set you up. Yeah, yeah but the ARCA cars, you know, we they run different gearing, so it's, it's, it's more similar to, you know, maybe like a cup race, whatnot. Um, you know, that one was a big deal. You know, back then, you know, the and, and even the trucks back then, man, I, uh, you know, with the built motors, the racing was a little different. When we went to Ilmore's, then that's when it really felt like a, a super speedway race at Michigan. But, you know, I had that one. And then, uh, of course, you know, was it 2017? No, that was 2018. Yeah, 20, I was going to say 2017, I thought Eldora had a good run, but I wasn't even there. So uh, that was 2018 where I had a really good run at, at Eldora. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, they, like I said, I had some I had some things in the past few years that were, uh, you know, I had some good runs, I had some bad runs, and and some yeah. of the, the cars, but definitely some cool places. You know, like I said, I've I've had success at Eldora or even some of the dirt tracks. Uh, you know, in 2018, I I had really good run, running se- uh, finishing second in one of the stages and running mm-hmm. up front uh, with top ten finishes there. Um, kind of, and then even. I always thought the road course races, I had good runs. I never, but I never got to finish where I felt like uh, we had run the races. But, you know, there's definitely some fun places. I've gotten uh, some really good runs that, that are that are places you want to have good runs. You know, Daytona, uh, Eldora, uh, those are kind of like spotlight races. So to be able to run definitely. good in those races is, is a really cool deal. Let's talk about some recent events. I said I was done with the negative stuff. I don't really think this is a negative. It's just I want to get your side of the story as well. I I think I know exactly where you're going. Of course you know where I'm going because this is how people know you now. And this is why I want to have you on because Austin Wayne's self is more than the guy who happened to get into an incident with John Hunter Nemechek at Martinsville. And I think we've established that. But we got to talk about it because everybody knows you from that incident that happened a couple weeks back. Um, I'm not going to have you rehash the incident itself and what happened. Cause I think you kind of shared your side of the story and it made the rounds on social media as well. But in the, in the moments after, in the days, the months, the weeks after, um, did you look back on that in any particular way? Did you, did you say, you know what? I didn't really do anything wrong there. Like I legitimately was doing my thing or did you look back on it and say, okay, maybe now with a little bit of clarity and hindsight, I could have done something different. I'm just genuinely curious your perspective now looking back on it. Um, you know, I mean, my perspective on it, you know, I, I look at the situation not so much as a, uh, not outing John Hunter, uh, but, but I look at it as, you know, uh, the situation um, that happened, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything any different. Because at the time, like I said, 
of the incident, um, I didn't know who it was, uh, you know, when, when the whole thing happened. So it was never about uh, me against John Hunter. Um, you know, of course, some people look at it that way. And, and also some people afterwards have come up to me and, um, you know, have been, I, I guess, shook my hand and, you know, whatnot, uh, happy about the situation. But like I said, it was never about John Hunter. So for me, I, I look back on it as a situation racing wise um, where I felt like I stuck up, uh, I stood up for myself um, and, um, you know, I wouldn't change a single thing. And, and um, you know, it was funny how, how some of the media picked up on it. Um, and, and it was cool. It brought up a lot of really cool um, situations as far as just uh, an in general uh, stance on playoffs and points and respect in that manner. Uh, yeah. kind of taking it to a third person level. But um, so that, you know, like I said, there's a lot of things that came out of it that were, that were honestly positive. Of course, you know, John Hunter, Nemechek fans weren't, uh, weren't too pleased with me, but uh, no. that's fine. That's, you know, I got, I got a few, I got, I got a group. They can join the group uh, for that one. <laughs> they, can join that, they can join that Reddit group, but you know, I, I look back on it as a racing incident and um, you know, I, I felt like, uh, you know, everybody always says, you know, you, you race people the way they race you. And, and, um, and that's why I did. I had enough, man. It was Martinsville. Everybody's heads were heated. Um, and uh, I did exactly what I always say I'm, I'm going to do is race people the way they race me. And, and um, so that was that. And then, of course, you know, like I said, uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, feel that um, sometimes some drivers drive certain ways and, and then they never get, uh, you know, they kind of get away with it. So, you know, like I said, some people were coming up to me and, and you know, I don't even thanking me and all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, for me, clearly it was just, uh, like I said, it was it was nothing personal against anybody. It was, uh, it could have been anybody. It could have been my mother out there. Um, and I would have done the same <laughs> thing to my own mother. So. Oh, she's not listening. I hope she is so she knows. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Never mind, she's making turkey soon. So. Yeah, that's right. She's a little busy. Um, you mentioned it though, kind of that sparked a further debate between how non-playoff drivers race playoff drivers and, you know, you being a non-playoff driver, generically, you get less coverage on television broadcasts and fans aren't able to watch you as much as they're able to watch guys like John Hunter, GMS trucks, Thor sport trucks, KBM, et cetera. So up until that point, and just as a general rule of thumb for you personally, I think I know the answer, but do you race playoff guys any differently than you would any other guys? And did you up until that point? Cause it sounds like no. And you race people the way that you are raced by them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that is the question. I mean, I guess, I mean, for me, you know, from a third person perspective, whatnot, um, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to get into John Hunter's situation. You know, if I, if I look at it uh, from another person's perspective, you know, to me, I, I look at it, you know, here's a guy who's leading points uh, coming into this race. All he, all he really has to do is finish, right? Um, you know, to me, if you're a playoff driver, that's that's uh, that's your responsibility to the, race the race you have to race, right? Um, you know, if, if it's coming down to a win and, and you and you shove somebody out, out of the way uh, to win the race to make the next, that, you know, everybody expects that. So, to me, I looked at it as, you know, he, he, he needed to race a certain race. And, um, you know, of course he didn't, he took chances. He was, he was, you know, I felt like he was putting himself, uh, in that position, you know, call me what you want. You, you know, even if you want to call me 
you know, the worst thing you can call me, worst driver, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, there you go. Maybe he shouldn't have been messing with, you know, a guy that, that shouldn't be out there. <laughs> don't, don't mess with that guy. You know, you got to back on that. Sales. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. and, and you can look at it for, for all of them. Right. And, and, um, everybody's responsible for their own race. And, um, even though your outcome can turn out the way it does a lot of times, most of the times, uh, I would say, I say most a lot, uh, you kind of put yourself in, in position to have the race you're going to have. You know what I mean? If, if you're going for a, a pass and going three wide and you don't back out and you get wrecked, um, yeah, maybe it was the other guy's fault, but you also put yourself in that position. You know what I mean? So, um, and then, and then if I take it back to myself, you know, I'm, I'm at Martinsville, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have the best day I can have, you know, I'm, I'm racing everybody, you know, that race was not a clean race. It wasn't, it wasn't like that was the first time somebody got into somebody, right. I, I had been behind somebody. I had seen somebody that uh, blatantly took somebody out, you know, I, like I said, I won't point names or anything, but uh, that was, uh, there was more incidents, uh, than there was to count. It was. Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. It was the Blue Moon race. You know, Martinsville is always crazy, but that, I always call them Blue Moon races. We have them at, at, at the Super Speedways and Short Tracks, uh, where it was just complete chaos. So, um, yeah, that was the race. That was the atmosphere of the race, anyway. So, um, I just so happened to do it with the points leader, and uh, I, you know, I got a lot of media attention from it you know, whatever. I don't, I don't thrive off the media attention, but you know, it's nice to every once in a while be able to, you know, have a different platform to, to speak. And like you said, maybe people, you know, hear something from me, but um, you know, the one thing for me that I always want to say is, you know, especially in that situation, you know, I would never talk bad about John Hunter. You know, obviously he's a good driver. He's won races. He's, he, he had had a shot at championship year. So it'd be kind of silly of me to sit here and degrade his, his driving. Um, sometimes do I think some people are a little more aggressive when they shouldn't be? Yeah, maybe, but, um, you know, it's just, it was a, it was a situation. And the last thing I ever want to do is, uh, is, uh, try to talk bad about somebody. Um, so that, that was it. Like I said, the biggest thing for me was it had nothing against John Hunter or anything. People can say whatever they want to say about him or about me. You know, there's two ways you look at it. If you're a John Hunter fan, it was it was uh, Austin Wayne's self's fault. And if you weren't a John Hunter fan or you're Austin Wayne's self fan, you know it was John Hunter's fault. And th- that's it. That's plain and simple. All you gotta do is pick a side, and and that's it. You know, what I mean, it's over. You know, I we got both you. got different things to focus on. That's right. That's why I wanted to have you on though to to share your side of the story because again, um, people like you that are in the mid pack and in the midfield, they don't get as much coverage and they don't get as much respect as as those running up front. So that's why I wanted to to shed some light on that. Okay, couple quick hitters to end things here. And I think that you have been a part of a couple really cool, honestly kind of historical, iconic races that are a little bit off the beaten path. First off, the Denny Hamlin Short Track Showdown. You ran that thing back in 2012. And I mean, going through the list of names that were in that race, cup drivers, you had, uh, you had a Brazilian in that race. I think it was Pietro Fittipaldi, oh, yeah. uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Like these names were wild, wild. And you held your own against them. That must have been a pretty cool night. And 2012, you were clearly a bit younger back then. So at that point, you're like, wow, late model stocks. Uh, I think it was at Richmond, maybe. 
Yeah. Um, that yeah. that must have been a hell of a night. I wish I was there for it. Yeah, yeah. That Pietro, I grew up with him too. So that that's kind of funny you mentioned his name. I we're 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 pretty decent friends. You know, we were, but we haven't talked about. But yeah, that's funny mentioning him. But you know, it's funny at the time. I you know, being at that age, I didn't think it it was. It's a lot cooler now than it was then, right? Um, yeah, definitely. I was so focused on doing the best I could that I didn't care. I didn't care who was there. You know, I didn't care. Denny Hamlin and all these guys were, were in the race. And, and then of course in the future, then you can look back on some of the names and be like, man, look what they've done now. You know? But, yeah. Uh, I think, I think back then it was funny because uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing that that speed uh, was broadcasting the race. I thought that Big was like, the biggest thing ever, man. I was like, man, I'm in a, a race at Richmond. Uh, you know, of course, yeah, there's pretty good drivers near, but it's on TV, you know? And, and, um, and I like mean, I look, said, here's the finishing. Listen to this. Tony Stewart, Jeff Burton, Joey Logano, Ben Rhodes, truck champ, Bubba Wallace, C.E. Falk, late model legend, uh, Ronnie Bassett Jr., Travis Braden, Chase Elliott, Sergio Pena, Austin Wayne Self, baby, 19th place, bringing her home in the sport clips, number 08 Chevrolet, uh, Dylan Lupton, Eric Amarola was in that race, Kyle Busch, Pietro finished 32nd after a crash early, Denny Crass, Richard Boswell, Peyton Sellers. This is a who's who list, man. That's awesome. It is awesome. Like I said, at the time I was right after I was frustrated I finished where I finished, man. I thought I thought I should have been further up. You're a racer. Right. So but now looking back, like you said, looking back, it's like, man, that's pretty cool stuff, you know, especially at that age to to be able to have that opportunity and go out and, and do good and um you're right, man. That's 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 a really cool list of guys. We need more of that. We need something else like that, you know. Man, I, know, I, know I completely agree. Down, but we we need something else. Maybe something that's NASCAR sanctioned once a year instead of the uh, instead of the uh, Gatorade Duel or whatever they call it, the LA Coliseum deal. We yeah. should do a, a a three three series and 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 late mall got NASCAR needs to host a big race just like that. Uh, that would be cool. I love it. Another big one. You were at the Battle of the Beach. And the same race that I think Kyle Larson won his first ever NASCAR win. I think that was the infamous time when he just drove through everybody and then he was celebrating in victory lane. And it was like, well, I thought that's what NASCAR is. I thought you're just supposed to drive through everybody. That was in 2013 at Daytona. That also was one of those iconic events that isn't, isn't around anymore, but kind of lives in the historical folklore of racing. And again, you were a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was one, you know, NASCAR, Kyle Larson wasn't wrong. As far as that racetrack, that yeah. racetrack, man, that was the worst. Uh, that was the worst race uh, uh, track I'd ever experienced. Really, it was, but it was such a fun, crazy, weird event, and it's so fitting that it happened once, and that was it. Uh, yep. Such a great idea, but man, uh, I lost. I remember the biggest thing I remember was losing my brakes uh, in the race, and 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 the funniest thing was uh, at one point. So it was on the back stretch. So one side was the inside barrier for the normal Daytona racetrack. Right. Uh, and then, or maybe that was technically the front stretch of this racetrack, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the back stretch on the actual racing surface, uh, you know, you had tires in the middle. And then on either side, there was basically nothing. You just, it was, if you really wanted to, you could drive all the way to, uh, 
turn three or yeah, turn it's just three. Just racetrack almost. down there. Right, it's just racetrack. It's a huge. It's almost like a parking lot. Well, I go off in the corner, and you know, I realize I don't have any brakes, and I just went straight. And my spotter gets on on the on on the radio. And says, "Where are you going?" In the middle of the race, he goes, "Going to turn three. Going? Yeah, where are you going? I'm like, I'm, I don't have any brakes. So, yeah, I just rode around after a while because I had no brakes. And, and uh, uh, that place was, it was quite impossible. You know, even if you had brakes, you're running in the guy in front of you. So without brakes, yeah. I was just trying to limp it across the line. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, like I said, another one that's really cool to look back on. Uh, you know, of course, at the time, it wasn't very cool because I was getting lapped by Kyle Larson and those guys because I was yeah. having brake problems. But um, I guess at the end of the day, I was part of, like you said, I was part of a race that happened once ever. Uh, and, you know, of course, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson won. And, and back then, I never, you know, I, I saw Kyle Larson, but you just never know what, what happens. You know, I yeah. never saw him as a, as a cup championship uh, contender or, or a champion. Um, I just saw him as this kid that got lucky and won a race, man. I, I was yeah. lucky. Man. I wish I could get that lucky as him. <laughs> yeah, I know. So there's something that's on the back of your hauler, that's on the back of your truck, that's on some of your merchandise and your fire suits. And it's the quote, don't mess with Texas. We said it earlier. Don't do it. I don't want to know what, ha actually, I lied. I do want to know what happens if you mess with Texas. I feel like I'm asking the perfect guy. Let me know. What happens? Why don't you ask John Hunter Nemechek? No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, but that, that was too a, good. But, you know, you know that is funny. Uh, I've had that, that honor for a long time, and, and that's, you know, that's a big Texas thing. But that is always – that's a fun thing, you know, whenever I get into it with somebody whatnot. Uh, I think even Michael Waltrip said it one time on TV. He goes, well, right there it says on the back, don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas. And he messed with Texas and look. John Hunter was trying to pass you. You should have just looked at your bumper and said, "All right, well, I'm good." That was some, like I said, that was, you know, I I had seen a couple of things, and that was the funny thing. People, so there's like the dark sides of Twitter and whatnot, the dark things oh, yeah. that nobody should see, and and then there's some kind of the fun things. And and if you take it, if you take yourself out of it, which I try to do a lot, uh, and especially in those situations, try to take yourself out of it, and I look at at some of the comments. You know, people are just having fun. You know, it's entertainment. And uh, that was that was a funny one. Was somebody had captured the screenshot, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of been a meme, really. Uh, is that I love that bumpers become become a, a little bit of a meme in situations, uh, but it's fun, man. It's that's even better. That's fun. I'm sure don't. I'm sure they. I'm sure they enjoy it too. So yeah, I'll ask John Hunter and get back to you. See what he says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question for me. You kind of tease it off the top of our chat. But, you know, you're coming back for year seven, lucky number seven. Seems like it was just yesterday, a little four-year-old Austin was yeah. starting this journey. But year seven in the truck series, going to be back with the number 22 AM racing team in 2022. And you mentioned that there may be the potential opportunity to go in some other areas within the sport, whether that be the Xfinity series, the Cup series. I don't know. So you tell me, what else is on the docket for you this upcoming year, and what else would you like to do in NASCAR? Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Like I said, my first number ever when I was four was seven. That was always my number growing up. Uh, the 22 didn't come along till I got into ARCA racing. But the 22 has been good to me. Seven is good to me. So there you go. Seven, seventh year, 22 and 22. So, Love it. You know, there's there's got to be a little bit of destiny there. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, full-time truck series, um, which is looking good. Um, as far as other things, you know, in NASCAR, you know, I don't know, you know, we've kind of entertained some things, you know, it'd be really, you know, I always thought, okay, well, you know, it'd be really cool if we could go maybe do a few Xfinity races. It'd be really cool if we could, you know, do, do this or that, but there's nothing, nothing set in stone. So I don't, I don't want to say this or that because, um, you know, at, at this point, things are just kind of, it's all kind of a, a wish list, I guess you could say, uh, as far as NASCAR uh, goes, besides truck series, that's, that's in. Um, but other than that, it's, it's probably going to be uh, dirt racing for sure. Uh, whatever I can fit in, um, you know, rather, you know, we've talked about maybe going, you know, uh, a, a, uh, quarter of what Kyle Larson does as far as, you know, doing some <laughs> traveling, you know, I was like, man, it'd be yeah. really cool when we go to Talladega to go race the Talladega short track there. Yeah. Uh, so some things like that, you know, we've talked about, you know, it'd be cool to, to, to go dirt racing in some of these places we take trucks, you know, if there's a dirt track nearby. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's definitely in the plans, but as far as uh, other NASCAR, um, you know, adventures, uh, there's nothing in the books right now, but, you know, like I said, as far as what I would like to be doing, um, to me, it's just uh, as long as I'm in something, uh, you know, I'll be happy. Of course, you know, I, I would definitely wouldn't turn down an opportunity to go race a, a cup car. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think right now my main focus is is uh, on that on that truck in, in 2022. And, um, you know, I've uh, had past six years to uh, prepare for the seventh. So that's the way I look at it. And and uh, I'm gonna go hit it off hard, and and um, like I said, I'm I uh, pretty much told myself, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not even gonna consider being done with the truck series until uh, you know I, I start uh, competing for wins, you know, putting myself mm -hmm. in that position. And um, we didn't make the playoffs this year, so we gotta go do that uh, in 2022. And then uh, and then of course, you know, I got some personal things coming out uh, pretty soon. That's that's really exciting for me and my family. So. Um, those are a couple things, you know, personally, uh, I got some big news, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, like you said, 22 and 22, baby, let's get it. We look forward to hearing that news and we look forward to seeing what you got on the track this year. We're, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. It's going to air after Thanksgiving, but real quick, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Bread. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, chicken and noodles. Uh, my mom makes these chicken dumplings. No, it's dumplings, huh? Yeah, dumplings and noodles. Or dumplings and Thanksgiving? Okay, turkey and dumplings. Yes. Yeah, it's weird, but yes. Dumplings, baby. That's it. That's where it's that at. That's very weird. And some, and some turkey. You Just sure it's turkey and not chicken? Uh, I'm... Okay, my wife just confirmed. Yeah, get your wife on here. She needs she needs to set the record straight. She ain't coming on. <laughs> she's she's over there with the dog. She don't care about me. Uh, <laughs> turkey dumplings. That's my favorite dish. I think. I've never heard of dumplings at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but I am yes, intrigued. Sir. Yes, sir. That's all about the dumplings. My mom mom can't forget that. I'll tell her okay. I'm not coming. I'm all not right. Gonna come. Put the dumplings on the table, and Austin's going to go let her eat. Make sure you don't eat too much because you got to fit into your suit yeah, this weekend. My wife just said that my mom's not making them, so it looks like I'm not going to Thanksgiving. Well, good. Now that you'll fit in your suit this weekend, and you'll be ready to race. Right, right, right. 
<laughs> well, man, this has been fun. I, I thank you so much for your time. You gave me so much of it. Uh, and I know that even though it's the off season, your time is extremely valuable. So thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much for chatting. And uh, I think the fans will get a kick out of seeing the real Austin Wayne self and not just that guy who uh, happened to get into it with John Hernan check. But now we know what happens when you mess with Texas. So thank you for clearing the air. Yeah, of course, man. I had, a, I had a really fun time. It was great talking to you. And look forward to seeing what you got next coming up uh, in the next season. So, um, yeah. We'll see you in Daytona. Perfect, man. Let's get it. 22 and 22, baby. That's right. And we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Austin Wayne Self, the man with three names. And uh, we talked for a while. I really appreciate his time. And thank you to Chris Knight for helping coordinate that conversation as well. And thank you to Austin for giving me so much of that time because I know around the holidays it is extremely valuable and in the off season. So thank you, Chris, again, for helping coordinate that. And thank you to Austin for giving me the time. I guess I will throw it to Look Nuts of the Week. And we should cue that funky music, white boy. Although it would be literally impossible to fit in all of the news and notes that we have seen come across the dash over the last 30 or so days. I mean, we've had new teams, we've had new drivers, we've had new tracks, we've had new charters, we've had new sponsors, we've had new surfaces. Everything is happening and it's all ever changing and evolving because of COVID and the Omicron variant, obviously. Just a few highlights. Petty GMS Motorsports, that's now a thing. Colleague Racing's Cup Series lineup in their second car, that's a thing with Daniel Hamrick, Noah Gregson, and AJ Allmendinger. Justin Haley's going to drive the 31 car instead of the 16. That's a thing. The package for next season, that has been finalized. No more 550. You can kiss that. Goodbye. 670 horsepower, a 4-inch spoiler, big motor, small blade. Rejoice. Those 550 truthers, well, they can go eat it. Those 750 truthers, well, you can meet somewhere in the middle because we now have more horsepower and less downforce, something that the drivers and most of the fans that I talk to have been wanting for a long, long time. So we're going to have that everywhere besides Super Speedways, Daytona and Talladega, and TBD on Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is another news and note nugget from this past month. They have officially finished their repave and reconfiguration. And as of this recording, in about a week's time, a little bit under a week, the Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks are going to complete a test on the brand new Atlanta Motor Speedway asphalt surface. Doug Turnbull of PRN in Atlanta, he took an overhead aerial shot of the track. It literally looks jet black. It's pretty wild to see. Those speeds are probably going to be pretty high. Asphalt going to have a lot, a lot of grip. Plus, the Clash at the Coliseum is on schedule. It is, as of now, no cancellations, no postponements, nothing. I'm knocking on the proverbial wood in this random studio that I'm in at work recording this podcast. But as COVID kind of goes up and goes down and goes in ways that we can't really predict or see, NASCAR will adjust as needed and adjust accordingly. So I hope, I hope, I hope that nothing will be affected with that race, the timing of it, the location, everything that goes along with it. And I hope to be there, but you know, not really up to me. It's up to COVID, it's up to the safety, and uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. And last but not least, um, today as I'm recording this, Brandon Brown, he got a new sponsor, or did he? We don't really know. 
It was announced earlier today on December 30th that LGB coin, I don't do cryptocurrency stuff. I don't understand it. I, I've tried to, I can't do it. But basically to try to dumb it down, what I understand, this is a cryptocurrency for Let's Go Brandon. It is a meme cryptocurrency, kind of similar to Dogecoin. And I guess you can make money off of it, but there was a disclaimer on their website that said, don't like put your actual money into the, I don't know, it's weird. Basically, they said it was all good to go. 33 race, full primary sponsorship. And then Jim Utter of motorsport.com comes out a few hours later in the evening and says, well, actually NASCAR didn't approve this sponsorship or the paint scheme and nothing is finalized yet. Because, you know, as we know, let's go Brandon. It gets political, even though uh, Brandon built motorsports and Brandon Brown don't think it's political. They don't want it to be political. They don't believe it's political. It's a whole interesting gray area to be in. I'll leave it at that. But no news update as of now with that sponsorship. But don't worry, as we have more episodes in the offseason in January and into February, we will have updates on that for you as well as everything else. And that'll wrap things up for episode 134 of Victory Lane 2.0. Guys, if you like what you heard here today, please, as always, remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcast. we should be available there for your consumption. And if we're not, drop us a line, and we'll try to rectify that issue for you. Also, shout out to all you guys that watched my TikToks in the past couple weeks. The Formula One Abu Dhabi recap, it's over three hundred thousand views i don't know what to say i guess i'm speechless i I don't understand why three hundred thousand people have watched me imitate toto wolf and michael massey but here we are and also my secret santa tiktok you can check that out on nascar's channel as well stay tuned with me at davy center on twitter for all the happenings in the nascar world you can see all my content there and be sure to follow me on all the other social medias tiktok instagram my facebook page the whole nine I'll talk to you guys soon. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. 2021, it's in the rear view. 2022, out the windshield. Can't wait to talk to you guys next year. Be well.